What is up, y'all? It is your girl, Chanel, and welcome to episode... I'm calling it 31, even though it's technically 35. I have about three to four podcast episodes I have not published yet. I'm sitting on them sometimes, depending on how I was feeling that day. (laughs) My thoughts can come out a little raw, and so when I feel like some level of hesitation in publishing episode, I don't. So technically, this is episode 31. Welcome to Candid Talk with Chanel. Um, I hope that you're all still staying safe. And I'm happy to see that the weather is perking up a bit. Today was a bit chilly, but I know towards the end of the week, it seems like we'll consistently be in the 70 plus range of temperature. And I'm excited for that. Um, I don't do reviews. I just wanted to jump on and share my thoughts about um, two points with this last episode of Insecure. Insecure is one of my favorite shows. It is in season six. and No, it's season four, episode six. And um, y'all know that I'm always tackling the topic of friendships and just the nuances and the ups and downs and turnarounds and conflicts and crazy things that naturally we all go through. What I love about Insecure is it the, the age demographic are for 30s, the 30-something year olds. I'm 36 years old, so this is well within my age range. I identify with a lot of the different things that are discussed on the show because that's my age, right? So I also love the fact that it depicts women of color Um, It depicts people of color. It depicts black people, particularly, um, in a good light, in a realistic light. And and I also love that it really shows, excuse me, that L.A. culture. Not from L.A. I've never been out there. But it seems pretty authentic the way that they are showing what that Cali life is all about. So, (laughs) um, pretty much most of the season has been about the downfall, the demise, or the conflict between the two main characters, Issa and Molly. And they had a big blowout the previous episode, and this episode more so follows Issa in the aftermath of that blowout. And I don't know about y'all, but the conflicts that I've had with good friends over the years, um, when it's fresh, when it's new, when it happens... It's so hard to just stop replaying how everything went down in your mind, right? Um, For me, I always tend to look at myself first as opposed to pointing fingers at the other person. So I'm like, damn, Chanel, could you have handled this better? If so, how could you have handled this better? Is there anything that you said that could have been misinterpreted? Or were you too harsh because that's a part of your personality that you're always trying to work on, right? Like, I'm always grilling myself first. Um, I Somehow, I'm just programmed that way. Um, and I'm harder on myself than I actually am on the other person, on that friend who I was in conflict with. And um, so, you know, I understand, you know, that's like that human experience where it shows Issa really replaying how everything went down and the hurtful things that Molly said and the things that she said. And um, what I really want to focus on when it came to this episode, what resonated with me was 
the friend, the other friend, Kelly. So Issa and Molly are a part of a friend group of four. Now, out of the four, Issa and Molly are closest to one another. And then the other two friends, Kelly and Tiffany, are closest to one another, but they're all friends. I believe they met in college. This also resonates with me. A lot of my good friends up until today that are in my life are people that I met during my college years. So I relate to the show in a lot of ways, right? And so Kelly had reached out to Issa. Um, Issa wasn't really responding to her phone calls, probably voicemailing her. Kelly's whole thing was wanting to find out if Issa reached out to Molly and wanting to encourage her to do so. Finally, at the end of the episode, it addresses, uh, or Issa finally calls her back, calls Kelly back. And then, you know, Issa's like, well, why do I always have to be the one to, to reach out and, you know, to apologize first? Like, you know, why does it always have to be me? And I definitely empathize with that because I feel that way in my life and have felt that way at times too. Why do I have to be the one that's always the bigger person? Or why do I have to be the one that always reaches out first to make things better or right? Um, and so I love what Kelly said. Kelly, she was, because Issa was like, did you give Molly that same energy? And Kelly said, yes, I called her too and said the same thing. And I loved that Kelly further stated when I went through conflict with Tiffany, who's the friend who she's closest with within the friend group of four, she said, you know, we almost let things get to the point where the relationship was irreparable. I don't want that for you all. It's not worth it in the end. And I strongly feel, because, you know, I told y'all that I watch a lot of different reviews on Insecure. There are several YouTubers whose reviews I watch. You know, even one of my good girlfriends, I watch her reviews. She does awesome reviews. Um, And so it seemed like the general consensus was Molly's wrong, Issa's right. And that Issa shouldn't have to reach out to Molly. Molly should be the one to apologize and yada, yada, whoop-de-whoop-de-whoop. And I get that perspective. I get Issa's perspective. I get Molly's perspective. They both have valid points as far as their issues with one another, right? That's like a true conflict. One friend, one person in a friendship is not going to be all right and the other person is going to be all wrong. Both parties tend to have legitimate points and concerns and issues with the other friend, right? So I feel, because a lot of us have friend groups that consist of four or more people, I feel like there always should be that one person or at least one person in the friend group who speaks that voice of reason out of experience. And that's what I feel Kelly was doing. Because when we're all in our feelings, it's hard for us to see the bigger picture. But if you have that other friend who is playing that neutral role as they should, who sees the bigger picture and is trying to encourage both of you to come together um, and not to let the friendship go, I think that that is essential, right? Um, and I, my, I'm just briefing y'all right now. My opinion is against popular opinion when it pertains to this issue. My opinion is against the popular belief. Half the time, my opinions are probably always against the popular belief. So I just want to brace you. So if you feel strongly, you know, um, 
that no, if I'm right, I don't need to reach out to the person, that's that, then maybe this is the point of this episode that you exit stage left, right? No offense taken, it's all good. Love is love. Um, But this is where I go to say, and I've learned this in marriage, and I will equate friendship and marriage in a way that once again, will probably go against the grain of what the popular ideal or thought or concept would be. Um, It's not always about who's right. I do believe in any friendship and in any marriage, it should be where both parties are able to take accountability, ownership, and, and for their actions and to apologize for sure a million, billion, trillion percent. However, I've learned in being married that it's not always about being right. It doesn't pay to let the communication go to shit. It doesn't pay to harbor on something for so long um, to where it could affect the friendship or the marriage and bring it to a place where things become irreconcilable or irreparable. My disclaimer to what I just said is this. If you are being abused in this said friendship or marriage, if you are being constantly disrespected in this said friendship or marriage, if you are being cheated on in this marriage, then what I'm saying goes out the window. I'm like, exit stage left, chuck up the deuces, go on about your business, right? But if you feel that this is a relationship or a marriage that is worth repairing, it is worth going the test of time with, then nine out of 10 times, I believe it would behoove us all to put our pride aside and make it right. And this doesn't mean that you're you're not speaking your truth and your feelings and your concerns and what hurt you in that conflict, for sure. Say your piece, talk it out. I think it's just more of having the mindset of, you know what, it takes two people for a friendship to go left in most cases. It takes two people for conflict to happen, right? Conflict can't happen if only one person is engaging in it. It takes two people for a misunderstanding or some level of conflict to happen. Now, yes, there may be someone who is predominantly the one who might have brought on more of the drama or the concerns or whatever. Um, However... And using this whole Molly and Issa relationship as an example, both parties brought their issues to the friendship, which affected the friendship. Both parties were guilty of hurting one another at some point in the friendship. And so I'm not going to say that Issa's feelings are more valid than Molly's because Molly messed up and... What's the word I'm looking for? Had used her selfish moment <laughs> um, during a huge time in Issa's life with getting this block party together. She picked the wrong time to want to address things. She picked the wrong time to pick a fight, right? I will say that. But just because Molly screwed up miserably at that point doesn't negate that she also has feelings that are legitimate 
as it pertains to issues she has with Issa, if that makes sense. Um, and so my perspective is, and a lot of these YouTubers I watch um, who review a lot of shows that I watch, they, you know, a lot of times when we're providing content out here, our true thoughts and feelings about our own lives comes out, right? And so a lot of these YouTubers that I watch, that I'm subscribed to their channels, they mention how they want to be married, they want to find the one, they want that American dream happy ending of love in their lives. Understandably so, I believe everybody deserves to have that if that's what they want. What I find interesting is that these are the same folks who were like, oh no, I don't know why Kelly calling Issa, telling Issa she needs to call Molly and make up with Molly. It ain't Issa's fault. I chuckled to myself inside because I'm like, so when you guys get into these long-term loving relationships or when you find yourself getting married and you have a conflict with your spouse, are you going to handle the situation the same? <laughs> are you going to be right and that's just what it is and because I'm right I'm not talking to you I'm turning my back to you in the bedroom or I'm just going to act like you don't exist I'm here to tell you been there done that that shit don't work <laughs> it actually makes matters worse now some of you may say Chanel why the hell would you equate friendship and marriage as if they're one and the same Follow my thought pattern and let's please try to have an open mind with this concept. My perspective is that when you get married, not only a part of the foundation that your marriage is built on is actual friendship. You'll hear a lot of married couples saying, not only do I love my partner, I love the fact that I like them, right? You hear that a lot with married people whether they're saying it on TV, whether it's people you know in real life, there's something to be said about being married to someone who you not only love, but you like. When we like people, it means we like them to be around, right? We like for them to be in our space. We wanna be able to spend time with them because we like this person. There are many people we could love and not like. That actually is a concept that does exist, crazy enough. And so when I think of marriage and friendship, a lot of the recipe, or I should say a lot of the ingredients that are needed in a friendship, those very same ingredients are needed in a marriage. The difference is, is you may need a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, a little bit less of this when it comes to a marriage. But like, if you think of, there are certain ingredients that you will always need regardless of what the actual recipe is. When you think of making a cake and when you think of making bread or baking a cake and baking bread, regardless of the fact that there are going to be some different ingredients that are needed, a lot of the base and the foundation of these two recipes, they both call for flour. They both call for butter. They both call for salt and there may be a few other ingredients that are needed when making a cake or when making bread, right? That's how I equate it. That's how I'm looking at it. So in a marriage, let's start with a friendship. In a friendship, 
We need we need trust. We need loyalty. We need respect. We need kindness. We need vulnerability. We need love. We need like, <laughs> right? These are the things that most of us would say we absolutely would require our friendships to have these attributes. Think of marriage. We need love. We need like. We need respect. We need trust. We need um, loyalty. In both, we need communication. It's a lot of the same things that are needed in friendships that are needed in marriages. In my mind, the only difference is marriage may require a little bit more trust maybe or a little bit more communication, I should say. There are certain things that, where the measurements may be a little greater for what's needed in marriage, but it's the same foundational traits that are needed for both. And so that's where I have this chuckle on the inside when I hear people like, oh no, I don't know why. No, Issa don't need to reach out to Molly first and then. It's very clear that this is a relationship that is important to both Issa and Molly, these characters, right? This is a friendship that they both deem as important because we don't really get that upset and all in our feelings when it's the friendships that we don't deem to be as important in our lives. So it's very clear that this is this is a friendship in both of these ladies' minds. We're going to go the, 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 the stretch of time. It don't matter that we can't get this love shit right. We got each other, right? Similar to the Sex and the City bond with the four women. It doesn't matter that we have these marriages that work out, marriages that fail, relationships that work, relationships that fail. The steady, consistent thing is us as friends. We're each other's soulmates, right? So in those kinds of friendships... This is not a friendship you want to throw to the wayside. It's safe to say these two characters do not want to throw this friendship to the wayside, right? So when you see that it's a friendship that actually you want to remain in your life, then I think it would behoove both parties to bite the bullet and not just try to be right or wrong and strong. Bite the bullet and make it right. These are the same things that you're going to deal with for those who want to get married. Who's talking all that shit like, no, Issa don't need to apologize to Molly and whoop-dee-woo. Some of the same people that want to get married, right? You're gonna, How are you going to handle that in marriage? And then some people will be like, pump your brakes, Chanel, because it's different when you marry. I'm not sleeping with my friend. So it's a totally different relationship. And I get that. My relationship with my husband is is a different relationship than the one with my friends. I'll give you that. However, we're humans and we have behavioral patterns. So my perspective is if I'm having a hard time with having, um, with communicating, or if I'm having a hard time with my stubbornness, if I have a hard time with letting my ego and my pride go in friendships, do you think that's just going to turn off in my marriage? If this is how my behavioral patterns are and have been all of my life and it reflects in my friendships, please believe those same behavioral patterns 
are going to show their faces in my marriage. I'm here to tell you, take it from someone who is married. <laughs> All right. Until I pro deprogram myself and say, Chanel, we have to break some of these negative behavioral patterns. You cannot be all in your ego and your pride and be stubborn. You need to make this right. Until I deprogram my mind and how I've been functioning all these years, right? Then I'm going to carry those same behavioral patterns, how I handle people I work with, how I handle people I'm friends with, how I handle people I'm family with. That shit is going to transfer to my marriage for sure. And so this is why, A, I love Insecure and shows like Insecure that push boundaries and that show these real life human experiences and normalize it, right? Because these are things that we all go through and many of us are guilty of. I love that fact about it. Now with the content that I do, I'm not here to review the show. I'm here to now talk about what was discussed in the show in this particular episode to push us even further um, to see how we operate with these kinds of concepts, with these kinds of human experiences. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pushing myself as well. I'm reminding myself as well, Chanel, you know, it's not about being right all the time. There have been plenty of times in my marriage where I truly felt that I was right about a particular thing my husband and I were at odds about. But for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the marriage, I was willing to bite the bullet, put my ego and pride aside, and make it right. And I have to give credit to my husband because there were instances where I might have had my stubborn moment and been all in my feelings and had my ego and pride way up to the sky. And he was the one who felt like he was right, but put his pride aside to make it right with us, right? Once again, I'm not talking about toxic things you're going through in friendships or in marriages where we should turn a blind eye and just stay and make it right. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about you have a relationship, predominantly healthy, you go through conflicts, it happens, and you're at a, you're at a standstill and you're trying to figure out where to go from here. So for all of those folks out there, those of you who want to be married or be in long-term committed romantic relationships, what I will say is if your perspective is always, uh-uh, because I didn't do anything, so I'm not, you're going to have a hard time in marriage because at the end of the day, it's not always about who's right and who's wrong. It's about, I hear what you're saying. I get how you feel. I need you to hear what I'm saying and understand what I'm feeling or empathize with it. And then we need to meet in the middle so that we don't keep going through this again and again and again and again. How can we communicate effectively so that we can move past this issue and get back to the happy place that we love to be? It's not always about who's right and who's wrong. You know, um, at the same time, yes, we should acknowledge our shit. Yes, acknowledge when you've messed up and apologize. But I'm telling you, in a marriage, there are definitely going to be those times where both parties are going to be stubborn. Somebody has to have the ability to see the bigger picture. And that's what I love, what Kelly represented for the friend group. 
Someone has to be able to be like, hey, <laughs> I know you, I know our girl messed up. What she did was effed up. But I see the bigger picture. We all have been friends. Y'all have been close and friends for way too long to let this end it all. There does need to be that voice of reason. <laughs> there absolutely needs to be a voice of reason. Um, and I like the fact that they showed that in the episode. And like I said, that was the part that many people were like, uh-uh, I don't know. And everybody's entitled to their perspectives and opinions. And I, I, I'm aware that mine is against popular opinion, right? <laughs> However... I just want to push the boundary of our thought system and just seeing things from a different perspective. I feel like that is the crooks of what helps friendships and marriages to survive. Having the ability to see past your own perspective. You know what I'm saying? Having being able to just dig a little deeper past your own perspective, um, as well as just seeing the bigger picture. Is it worth it all in the end? If I'm being honest, I've had several friendships. I would say I've had about maybe three friendships of people I was close to that fell by the wayside. There was a conflict we couldn't recover from. One of those friendships, we, we kind of somewhat recovered from it, but recognized that the friendship would never be the same. And a lot of times when you hear, oh, the friendship will never be the same, sometimes that's actually a good thing because it gives room for the friendship to be even better than it was before. Unfortunately, in my life experience, the friendship was never the same and it wasn't better than it was before. It, it was less connected than it was before. But that sometimes that's the price, if I'm being honest. And this particular friendship, years went by before we really had the difficult conversation and before we were able to somewhat meet in the middle and move past things. But the damage had already been done. So at this point, I think we both respect the little level of friendship we have, right? Where we're not, we're not sitting front row in each other's lives. We're at least in the venue but we're damn sure not in the front. <laughs> we're in the balcony somewhere, but we're in the venue. And I think we're both okay with that. Um, other two friendships that fell by the wayside, I felt like there was a level of outgrowing the friendship, right? Um, for me, I probably contradict myself when I say this. I often say, you will hear me say, I, I'll go ghost, get quiet and exit stage left, right? Um, and to be honest with you, it doesn't, the older that I'm getting, the easier it is for me to just remove myself from friendships that are no longer really serving their purpose, so to speak. However, where I contradict myself is I say, normally it takes me a long time to get to that point, right? For me to just walk away right away from you, that meant that you did something crazy, meaning what I deem as crazy is you trying to sleep with my husband or not that this has happened, but you trying to sleep with my husband or you trying to harm my family, including my parents, or you trying to uh, assassinate my character and thing, things of that nature. I'm, I'm going, I'm not dealing with you ever. I'm done, right? 
the friendships that I'm referring to that fell by the wayside or we couldn't meet in the middle and recover, those are more so friendships where it was a buildup, similar to like Molly and Issa. Over the years, it was a buildup. You still try to move past it. You still try to maintain the friendship. But then at some point, there is that that last straw. They could play in the game Jenga. That last piece that just makes it all come tumbling down. And I believe that that's what happened um, in those friendships. That accompanied with accountability not being taken on all sides, right? That's another thing for me. I feel like we have nowhere to, to go or grow from here if you're not willing to take accountability for your actions and the wrongdoings that you did. I'm always willing to take accountability. I'm the girl that's willing to say I'm sorry, even if I 100% don't really feel like I did anything wrong. But for the greater good of the relationship, I'm willing to take that L, right? But if I find that the other person isn't, then to me, if you can't own your shit, there's nowhere for us to go from here. But that's more of a buildup. It's not like a sudden thing. It always seems sudden to the, the, the people on the, the receiving end of me kind of dipping out. But it, it's it's not a sudden thing. If if any of them happen to be listening, just know it wasn't a sudden thing. It was a buildup over the years. Um, or it genuinely was that we just grew apart and that is okay. You know? Um, and so I say that to say the first friendship I was referring to where too much time had gone by, the damage was done, we kind of tried to make our way back, but the friendship will never be the same. That is the friendship where I wish that maybe I would have put my pride aside earlier um, in order for that amount of time and space to not go by. But once again, when we're upset, when we're hurt, we're all in our feelings, right? And so sometimes it's hard to see the bigger picture. It's hard to see clearly when we're stuck in our feelings, in our perspective, in our rightness, so to speak, in our being wronged, it's hard to see the bigger picture. And so I learned from that situation, Chanel, if you feel like this is something that can be reconciled, don't drag your feet. Don't drag your feet. Um, And so I like that Insecure highlighted that. Another uh, thing that happened, not in this episode, but episodes before, because you know, in Insecure, a lot of times, (laughs) Um, Lawrence, who's Issa's ex-boyfriend, plays a big, he plays somewhat of a role in, in, in the show, of course. And I find it interesting in the same YouTubers or vloggers or people who I watch their reviews on the show, it seems like the general consensus is, oh no, she don't need to give back with Lawrence. And it's like all this disdain for the character Lawrence. And I find myself having a hard time understanding why. Because at the end of the day, the relationship ultimately ended because Issa cheated on Lawrence. So why are we villainizing him when she's the one who effed up? Granted, (laughs) I understand how, (laughs) you know, um, she found herself in that tempting situation. You know, she was growing weary of kind of being the breadwinner and like, financially taking care of things and Lawrence's lack of motivation when it came to his career. I get that, right? And then here comes someone from your past 
And it's like that whole 80-20 rule. He seems like everything that you're not getting in your relationship and more. And he's only 20%, right? And so you, you dance with the devil, as I often say. And you allow yourself to have a moment of weakness. And then you always shortly realize, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then the guilt comes on and all of that, right? I get how Issa, it's a very human experience that she had that many of us have experienced, right? On the side of Lawrence. One thing I've learned um, through being married to a man <laughs> My husband always said, listen, for men, it's everything to them to have their money right, to have their career right. You know, men go after that bag. They are naturally wired to be providers, whether they have families or not. Men, I believe, are naturally wired to be providers. So for them, having their money in order, their finances in order is an important thing. And if I'm being honest, I could be wrong. Some of you may disagree with me that it seems like a lot of men, there, there are those, there, there is that percentage of men who they're almost like a piece of shit when it comes to getting their stuff together and being able to take care of themselves and, and having a job, right? We hear that a lot, especially in the black community. Like he ain't got no job. And we hear that, right? But when you look at the world in a broader scope, a lot of men actually have better credit scores than us women. A lot of men actually, as we know, for more reasons than one that are considered to be a prejudice, make more money than women. I find that men seem to have their finances in a little bit more order than women. Once again, if you're looking from a worldly scope, um, and so I get what my husband was always saying to me while we were dating in that it is important for a man to be able to have, it's important to a man for him to be able to have his finances in order, for him to have a job. And I think I said this in the episode two or three ago, for a lot of men, it doesn't always mean they need to be in their dream job, but for them, a lot of what drives them will be the amount of money they're making, right? Um, and so they go after that bag, they have a need to get that money. They have a need to naturally be a provider or to have the ability to do so. Now, yes, there's always exceptions. There's always that, uh, fine print where it's like, this doesn't apply to all men, but I would say most men, right? We do have the crop of men who are unmotivated, uninspired, who are lazy and who are about either getting money the illegal way or they're about living off of a woman. We do have those crop of men. And even the ones who get their money the illegal way, once again, they're about that bag. It's this natural instinct in them to get that money. Um, so what Lawrence, you know, my husband telling me that over the years, you know, which is why when I used to nag a little bit about, we've been together X amount of years, like I'm not gonna be your eternal girlfriend. When are we gonna get married? His whole thing is I have to have my ducks in a row. And I didn't understand what he was saying until he ended up changing careers, going through the crazy rigmarole of things he had to do to become a fireman and how our lives financially changed overnight. It wasn't until that happened that I said, oh, I get what he's saying. 
right? If my husband still stayed working in the social work field, yeah, I believe he would have got to a point where he would have made a little bit more money than what he was making at that time, but we would not have been able to live the way we live now. I make money, but my husband makes way more money than I do, right? He makes really good money. So yes, it changed the course of our lives. Um, and to be honest, at this stage where we're bringing a child into the world, I wouldn't have wanted to have to really be about the struggle, 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 struggle life. Um, been there, done that, took care of myself for seven years before I got married, struggled the whole time. Like, I embrace it. If I had to go back to it, I know I'd be able to survive. But why struggle if you don't have to? So I understood, I understand now <laughs> what he was saying to me then. And so paralleling this back to Insecure, seeing that first season where Lawrence, that character, was like, unmotivated he probably maybe he had some case of depression going on and trying to figure out what he wants to do he believed in whatever he was building um he's in, he was in the tech world so whatever app he was trying to build he believed in it but you know it's hard when you're getting told no more than you're getting told yes and that stuff could affect a man or anyone's ego for that matter affect your motivation and so it wasn't until he found out that Issa cheated on him, that he realized, or that that's what motivated him to get his shit together, right? Um, and so I could only imagine how difficult it was for her to, to be with someone who was so unmotivated. That's not an easy thing. I get that. Or to be with someone who suffers from depression. I'm not saying he did, but just in general. Or to be with someone who careering together. I get it. But I don't know that that deems him to be villainized the way that he is villainized as this character. You know, did we not expect once he got his heart broken as a male that he wasn't going to be a savage out here in these streets? That he wasn't going to be slanging that thing to all these different women? That he wasn't going to engage in a threesome? That that wasn't going to be his way to cope with his pain? Is that not a normal human response to being hurt and cheated on by someone you love and you were in a relationship with you were in a relationship with for five years like why are we acting as though that was so far-fetched and how could he right i'm not saying that's the healthiest of choices and the best way to cope but it's a realistic thing that most men go through right i even have known women who have been done wrong been in long-term relationships and marriages and were cheated on and they had their moment of being a little hoish on these streets. Like, does that make it right? Is that the healthiest way to handle your pain? No. But is it a very human thing to do? Yes. Is it so far-fetched? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know until you're in those situations even how you would handle your pain. You know? So, I still don't understand. It's like, help me understand, y'all. And then... Don't let it seem like in an episode that there's a chance that there's still a fire between Issa and Lawrence or that there's a possibility that, that they can get back together as if there haven't been many of us who have doubled back to a relationship before as if that's not a normal human experience. Let's keep it real. Was this a toxic relationship that Issa and Lawrence were in? No, they went through the challenges of life and made poor decisions right? 
and, and had a hard time, right? I would not be surprised if when the series is said and done that Lawrence and Issa, these two characters, end up together in the end. It wouldn't surprise me. And I say that to people because my husband and I, when we were dating, there was a time where I messed up, right? I danced with the devil a little bit, you know, and he broke up with me for a short span of time. If I'm using the same logic that's applied, then the thought should be, I should have never got back with my husband or my boyfriend at the time, you know? So I think sometimes relationships have to end, even temporarily sometimes, in order for both parties to have the growth spurts that they need individually so that they can come together collectively in a healthier place. There were things, I had to ask myself hard questions. I had to ask myself, Chanel, what is it that you want? Do you really love this person? Do you really want to be with them? And I'm sure my husband had to ask himself questions. What am I doing with this girl? Why is it that I'm dating her, dating her, dating her, dating her, and and it's been five years and we're no closer to marriage than we were from the beginning of the relationship, right? He had to ask himself those questions. We had to ask ourselves those hard questions. And then we had to have a difficult conversation with each other. Granted, I didn't smash somebody else while I was with him, but I danced with the devil in an entertaining conversation with a gentleman that I shouldn't have because of whatever I felt I wasn't getting from the relationship. Once again, that whole 80-20 rule, right? So yes, I was the one in the wrong. I owned that. I took accountability for that. But it forced us to realize what it was that we wanted. And then we were able to reconcile after a short span of time of not being together. And then two years later, we got married, been married for almost six years, and we're about to have a baby. So that's why, you know, when I hear that, oh, Lawrence, uh, why is he still on the show? Oh, no, she don't need to get back with him. She needs some new dude. I hear what the people are saying. but at the same time I'm like let's keep it real folks because I know a lot of y'all have double back to relationships now maybe you did double back to real bad toxic situations that's not healthy that's not cool but it's not always a bad thing if you have to break up for a temporary amount of time to figure out your own individual needs wants and struggles before you come back together as a, as a team. It's important sometimes to separate so you can get whole and come back as two whole people, you know? Um, once again, I love that Insecure has realistic things that we go through, especially us in our 30s. I'm 36, so I, I vibe with the show. You know, it, it, it is geared for the 30-something-year-olds and, and what life potentially is like when you're in your 30s you know, what it is like, you know, um, I've gone through the figuring out my career like Issa and what do I want with my career and how am I trying to, and why do I feel so unfulfilled in this area of my life? You know, I've gone through that. Um, I could probably identify with Tiffany only in the sense of she's the only married friend. So yes, I got married when I was 31. So I can, I, you know, um, and I'm having a baby at 36. 637, right? So yes, when it comes to that part of her journey, I can identify with that, you know, where you have your friends, but you're married. And so it's a little bit different um, as opposed to just being single and out here ready to mingle, you know? 
Um, so it, a lot of it, there are parallels, you know, going through it in friendships, like what Molly and Issa are going through, you know, or, you know, um, so yeah, you know, I think it's really realistic to what the 30 something year old experience is. And, um, you know, so for me, it's just like, I hear y'all with the, I don't know why Lawrence is on the show and she don't need to be with him. But don't be surprised if the characters get together. Then again, don't be surprised if they don't. Either way, sometimes relationships have to end for them to be reborn and rebuilt in another way, you know? And other times relationships need to end because they're toxic and unhealthy and there's no compatibility and they just need to end, you know? Um, I don't know that we can like paint every portrait with the same color story, you know? Um... Certain things are circumstantial, folks. (laughs) And like I said, I know my opinion is not the popular perspective, but I like to challenge us with the other piece of it, you know? And sometimes, including me, I could be guilty of it. It could be easy for us to be (laughs) self-righteous and on our soapboxes when, you know, looking at reality TV or or scripted television series and like, oh no, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But then we don't even realize, nope, you double backed in several relationships, probably ones you shouldn't have, you know, or maybe you should have double backed to that relationship, but you didn't. And that's why you're still single waiting for somebody like, you know what I'm saying? You just don't know. Sometimes it takes growth to realize who you are meant to be with. Um, and just the journey of growth all in all, I believe that that's Issa's story and we all can uh, identify with that. Just ultimately trying to grow in all areas of our lives and finding our happiness within ourselves first and being able to, you know, flourish from there, you know, the glow up, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to come on and share those things. <laughs> tidbits that stood out to me and I still remind myself till this day you know I'm married and sometimes depending on how my hormones are wired right now or depending on just how I feel it can be very easy for me to even resort back to well I'm right so it is what it is and if you want a healthy relationship that's not the approach to have all the time and um or a lot of times even and just even in friendships you know um not letting too much time go by if you are presented with the conflict, you know, because our prides and our egos are getting in the way. Um, and this is only if you find that this is a friendship that is worth salvaging, folks. So if you feel like this is someone you want to keep in your life, you know, I would say, regardless of whether you were right or not, try not to let too much time go by between reconciling, making things right, having a difficult conversation. Because sometimes you can be a day late and a dollar short, for sure. You know, for sure. The window period is not always just this forever and a day window period. Sometimes you ha- there's a very small window to make it right. So I say, just keep those things in account. <laughs> um, what I will end with is... I don't know what's going on with this COVID, y'all. Now it's to the point where babies and children are dying, which is super sad. Um, The weather is perking up, which is great. But let's not get ahead of ourselves 
and be so thirst begirst to want to be outside and out and about with people and 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 all of this and and going against all the social distancing advisories just because the weather's warm or Memorial Weekend is coming up and because we're tired of being quarantined, I get it. But let's still be wise and let's not take chances. Like I said, people are still dying. It's not like the numbers have decreased to the point where they're like, we've only had one death this month and even that's one too many, right? People are still dying. Children are starting to die. Please let's stay wise. Let's be cautious. Let's follow the precautionary measures and you know, let, let's not be so thirsty to need to be out and about. People are dying. I don't care what Atlanta is doing. I don't care what any other southern state or any other state for that matter is doing. Like people are still dying. And y'all know me. Y'all know I am a conspiracy theorist. And I do not trust what the media says. But what I do see is that people are still dying. There's not a week that goes by that I do not hear that somebody that I know or somebody that I know, someone who I know knows has passed away. So let's just, let's just keep it, keep it wise and, and tread lightly out here. All this stuff will be over at some point, but let's not be so thirsty to rush to, to get to these beaches and to, to just be outside at these outside bars and going just doing doing the most people are still dying i'll end it there continue to stay safe out there thank you so much for rocking out with your girl and continue to rock out with me by going to anchor spotify apple and google podcasts as well as complexsimplicity.com until next time